Hi, and welcome to Bliss This House, Home Organizing with Maria Grove. I'm Maria, your host. I'm a professional home organizer with years of experience tackling clutter and helping build sustainable organizing solutions in my clients' homes. This podcast will teach you how to have fun with organizing, build good habits in your home, and a little bit of design. So let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Bliss This House Home Organizing with Maria Grove. I'm your host, Maria, and I'm excited today to have a wonderful guest. Her name is Lisa McHarg, and she is a digital organizer. And so what's really great about digital organizing is that it's not something that I get into as a professional organizer. So I'm always excited to talk to people who have niched down really deeply into certain things like digital organizing. So I'm gonna have Lisa introduce herself and we're gonna get started. So Lisa, get started. How how did you get started in this business and introduce yourself? Hey, Maria, thank you so much for inviting me to talk with you today about digital organizing. Um, Yeah, my name is Lisa McCarg, and I am a digital organizer. I do a lot of things, but that is my favorite title. And how I got into it is actually, it's kind of a long story, but I'm going to give you the short version. So I was a high school Spanish teacher for 10 years. And the last About seven years, I worked at a one-to-one school, meaning every kid brought their own device. We had an online learning like system. So I was really used to managing a lot of digital files and um, doing a lot of stuff electronically and things like that. And cue COVID and a lot of teachers got thrown into remote learning and they were not used to you know, giving assignments out as a PDF and managing electronic assignments from their students or how to organize a learning management system or just manage a Google Drive full of files um, because we just, we teachers just got bombarded. And um, a friend of mine was actually on Zoom with me and she saw my Google Drive and she said, oh my gosh, Lisa, how did you do that? I was like, how did I do what? And she said, how did you find that file so quickly? It would have taken me literally 15 minutes to find it. Um, And she honestly thought Google Drive was just a terrible product. It could be organized and that everybody hated it. Like a Google Drive that looked like mine was not even a thing that could exist in her reality. She didn't even think it was possible. And she said, you need to tell people about this. And so (laughs) I started out um, working with teachers, teaching them how to organize teaching materials, manage all of the digital clutter and declutter it and create folder systems and file naming conventions and things like that. Um, And from there, I kind of grew. And now I spend most of my time working with online business owners, people that um, have online courses, memberships, service providers, things like that, helping them organize the behind the scenes of their business. And so I help people with things like Google Drive, Dropbox. I do a lot of email organization, working with that. Um, Things like Canva, if you use that to design things, pretty much any digital space. And like I've always been an organizer. I was that kid. I really liked horses, but instead of playing with the horses, I like grouped them by like color or when I got them or size or like their made up families. So I've just always been a person that kind of looks for order in things. And that's just where my brain goes. So I get to share um, that gift with people every day now. That's wonderful. Oh, that's so great. Um, I think you would be terrified if you looked at my <laughs> online life. Um, I, I have 
all of my pictures, you know, I use, I use a lot of photographs and um, things. So let's talk, let's talk photographs and photograph organization, you know, so would you recommend files? Would you recommend only, you know, online files? Um, How would you do it by year, by content. Um, so are you talking like family photos or like stock photos and things you're using? For... It's really for my business. Okay. And, you know, and, okay. you know, and I think a lot of our listeners would probably be talking more about family photos, yeah. you know, so they, mm-hmm. so they're probably looking at it. Like, is it 2023, 2020, 2022, yeah. or is it the Disney trip? Is it the the trip to Canada? You know, what what is it by event or is it by year? So when it comes, I will full disclosure, I don't work, I, I just tell people no when it comes to family photos. So I don't work with that specifically because there I there are a lot of people who do. Um the the main one that comes to mind, if you Google um or if you go on Instagram and look up Miss Freddie, M-I-S-S, Miss. Freddie, F-R-E-D-D-Y, I'm pretty sure. Um, She specializes in family photo, like organization, does a lot of great stuff. But I'll tell you what I do for my um, family photos personally, and it hasn't always been great, but I recently actually just kind of went and like redid everything. The first thing, if you're talking about family photos, you don't, again, I'm not the expert, but I used to store everything on Shutterfly. And they recently changed their policy where if you don't buy something from them every 18 months, they will like just delete all of your photos. Like they're gone. Um, also, when you put them onto Shutterfly, it, it compresses them. It makes them smaller. So you lose um, quality. So when you download them again, it's not quite as like high quality, something like that. I don't know all the nuts and bolts, but there's things like that. Um, I used to use Google Photos. But Google Photos, um, you run through storage really quickly. If you have a free account with Google, like an at Gmail account, you get 15 um, gigabytes of storage, I believe, and photos will eat that up really quickly. So I actually store mine in Dropbox. Um, Dropbox is another file storage system. It's actually the one I prefer. I started using it in college. Um, I pay for it. And I think I have like their cheapest business plan. And y'all, it is two terabytes of storage, which is an insane amount of storage. In that Dropbox, I have family photos from 2011 through 2023. I have a ton of high quality um, stock photos from a membership I'm part of. I have a ton of business stuff and I have not even put a dent in the storage. So In my Dropbox, I have, I'm actually, I'm on my computer, so I'm going to pull it up so I can tell you exactly what I do. I have a folder called um, Family Photos because I've got a lot of stuff in this Dropbox. And then I have it by year. So I have, for example, 2018 Family Photos. Then within that, I have a folder and the folder is named numeral1.january2018. And that one is important because I organize my folders by name. So I number them like one, January, two, February, three, so that they're then in chronological order, uh, which I really like. The nice thing, this is getting super nerdy, like tell me you're a digital organizer without telling me you're a digital organizer. (laughs) In Dropbox, you can actually set up um, automations. So I have it set up for my family photos 
Um, and what I do basically is at the end of every month, or if I like have a bunch of photos, if there's a birthday or something, um, I go onto my phone and I just upload them from directly from my phone to Dropbox. And I say, oh, I want to put them in, you know, whatever, like the January, 2023 um, folder. Well, I have an automation. So when I upload it, they're all going to automatically get renamed um, Jan 23 for January 23. And then it pulls the like metadata from the photo. It pulls the date it was taken. So it puts them all in chronological order for me. So like a folder might be, or a file is Jan 23. Then it says 2023 1-14. So I know that photo was taken January 14th of 2023. Um, and that name and the reason the folder names have like January 2023, not just January, is because I want it all to be searchable. So now I can just go like to Dropbox and I could search like March 2017 and it'll take me straight to March 2017. Um, I generally just kind of leave all the folder or all the pictures like just in there and then they're in chronological order. But if there is a big event, um, like my husband and I, we were in Ireland a couple months ago. So within like 2022 and August, there's a folder that says Ireland 2022 and all the Ireland pictures are in there. Or, you know, maybe you have like, you know, Lisa's birthday falls in November. And so in November you have Lisa's birthday party. So if there are really big special events that you might want to create like a separate photo book for, I do like to make separate folders for those. Um, the big thing is with photos or anything, you want to have a system that works for you. There's not a one size fits all system. I like chron chronological. That's how my brain works. My brain works very much. I picture things in like vertical lists. Not everyone's brain works like that. So if you're like, oh, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why wouldn't you put it by the event? Like, if that's what works for your brain, then yeah, make a folder for the events that, you know, that maybe you're like this trip and the date, this birthday, this family gathering, maybe just like miscellaneous, whatever. Um, the main thing is you just want to have a system that works for you. And when you're naming those folders and when you're naming those files, you want them to be searchable so that you can really quickly find things. And that goes um, when it comes to like stock photos for your business. Same thing, um, a really good folder system. Um, I, again, my brain really likes speci specificity. There we go. I like to be very specific. So I like a folder in a folder in a folder in a folder. Um, so let's say that you use like in your business, a lot of like office supplies or like mock-ups or like movable pieces or something, you might have a folder called office supplies. And then you might have a folder that's like binder clips because maybe you have 20 different <laughs> binder, like flat lays that have binder clips or movable pieces, binder clips, because that's really important for your niche. You might have another one that's like pens. I was a teacher and I ran a teacher business before I did this. I had legit folders was like, flare pens and it was full of like flare pen mock-ups and movable flare pen pings and things like that. Um, so I really like to, if it's just in like Dropbox or Google Drive, I like to really clearly label my folders. And then again, label those files like purple flare pen, pen, purple flare pen two, or like 
purple flare pen flat lay so that they're searchable. So when you're making like a promotional graphic for something and you know you just want like a purple flat lay, you can search it and find it. And oh gosh, I feel like I'm talking forever, but this is what happens. So no, I love it. You know, let's you, let's geek out like yeah. super hard to the okay, naming conventions. Um, I was really interested in what you said about that. And I think that can probably be related to files as well, oh, like documents yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. So you were saying one dot January and that enables it to be searchable and then also chronological. So how does that work? So it depends. There's a lot of factors. So let's use like, so like, for example, Maria, where do you save your files? So I'm, I'm low techie techie and I am on um, word. And Mm -hmm. so I will, um, but I also, I use Canva. I'm a Canva queen. I'm absolutely Canva. And so I will download all of my Canva to a download file. And so I'll organize it that way, but um, word. And like, so if I'm blogging, um, so I have a blog and if I'm blogging, I'll organize it and I'll say blog and then the title of the blog and then I'll put all of those blogs in a file. Yep. And it starts with the word blog so that it's it's instantly searchable for me. Mm-hmm. And I know exactly that it's a blog. Mm-hmm. Okay. So are they saved like on your computer hard drive? Yeah. Okay. Which is okay. You got like, you're like, yeah. like you get this like yeah. guilty thing. Here's the thing. Like we might as like- well be on carrier pigeon, Lisa. <laughs> so no. Um, so this is actually why I originally really liked Dropbox because back in the day when I started college way back in 2004, um, Google Drive was around, but it wasn't what it is. And Dropbox, um, it actually like synced to your computer hard drive. So even now on my computer, I open Dropbox, it looks like I'm just opening a folder on my computer, but then it's also backed up in the cloud. So if my kid is playing and like knocks my laptop over cracks in half I don't lose everything because there's a backup um google drive now they have their own version of this um I think it's literally called google drive for desktop or if you google that you'll find it um and you know what I love me some microsoft word I love it it is far superior to google docs google docs is terrible if you're actually wanting to write and have tools I said it Um, and I love PowerPoint. Like, again, I was a teacher for 10 years. I made everything in Word and PowerPoint. I do not like Google Slides. Again, I said it. Sorry, not sorry. It's fine if you do. Um, so there is no wrong way to organize or no wrong tool unless A, it's not working for you or B, you're potentially like risking losing everything. So I get a little, again, I'm from a generation where we stuck thumb drives into USB ports and then those thumb drives got corrupted and you lost your like 12 page research paper and you were completely out of luck um, or a three or, and a half inch floppy disk. thumb drive. Yeah, or you lost your thumb drive and you were like out of luck. Um, or yeah, three and a half inch floppy disk, Google it, my Gen Zers and anybody else yeah, listening what is to this. Even that? Exactly. Like, you could shit, you could save like nothing on a three and a half floppy. Everything was smaller and the world was slower and simpler. Ah, the good old days. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Back to file names and like storing stuff. Okay. So you are storing things. Um, we're just gonna say you're it's on a folder on your computer. Great. Just occasionally back that up somewhere. Um, somewhere. 
somewhere. Yeah. Just drag and drop it into Google drive once a month, something. Um, when it comes to file names, my best suggestion, cause people get really confused about what do I call it? So I can remember what it is. And in the teacher world, this is a huge problem. Like, I don't know what I named it. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Think of your file names instead of one big long name. Think of it as pieces that you put together or tags that you're going to use. So for example, let's say um, you have a blog post. Um, <laughs> if I was really good and actually saved my copy of my blog posts, <laughs> here's what I would name it. Okay, hang on. I need a pen because I actually have to write this down because I am a really visual person. So I definitely want blog in there so you know it's a blog and so you can search for blog. The thing I would now, depending on, again, how your folders are set up, I would probably have a separate folder for my blog copy or my blog posts. I would actually put the word blog at the end of the file name. And here's why. Because sometimes when you're looking at a list of file names or if you use grid view in Google Drive, there's all those little boxes. Sometimes the file name gets cut off and you can't see all of it. So you want the most unique and important information at the start of the file name. Now, for my brain, this really bothers me because I like to start big and narrow in. But practically, when I am looking at my file names, if I know I'm in the blog folder, I don't need blog to be the first word because I already know this is all blog copy. And I want the word blog in the file name so I can search blog and it'll pull them all up. So I'd probably put blog at the end. Um, I would put a date, especially if you were a business owner, because a lot of times you want to recycle content. So um, let's say you are like looking ahead, you're planning for what you're going to do in May. And you think, gosh, what did I do May last year? You might want to also put like May, um, let's just say 23, for example, um, so that you could search blog May 23, like what I write on my blog to find it. Um, and then, yes, I would either put the entire title or like the key pieces of the title. So if my blog post um, was titled um, seven Gmail seven quick Gmail tips to make email not suck. Like I'm not going to make that my whole title because that's really long, but I might just call it like seven Gmail tips or seven Gmail quick tips. So I would probably name that blog post, maybe like or that file name, seven Gmail tips, May 23 blog. So I've really got three pieces in there. I've got what it is. It's the blog. When did I do it? Because sometimes that's really helpful. Um, and then also you know, a little bit more specific, like what was it? Oh yeah, that's right. Because then I, you know, you can generally find, so I could search Gmail blog. Like what have I written about Gmail on my blog before? I could search tips blog or May 23 blog or May blog and kind of see um, what comes up. But if you can think about your file names as pieces, and you recycle those same pieces. So you always put your date format the same, May 23 or May 22 or May 24, as opposed to like 2023. Um, you just want to create this system that works for you. And again, depending what you do, and if 
you know, if we're talking about like non-business stuff, let's say you're tracking like kids' medical records and you have like digital copies of all of this stuff, um, I might have something called like um, immunizations, like immunizations, Lisa, May 23. And that's my, I'm pretending my daughter's name is Lisa. It's not, but you know, then I can say, oh, there's Lisa's immunization records from May of 23. And if you follow that pattern and you need the most recent ones to give to school at the start of the year, and I search immunizations, Lisa, I'm going to find all of them. And I'm going to be able to instantly see, oh, okay, this is the most recent one without even having to open it and look at the file because the file name's that good. Adding the date is really a game changer. I've never added a date to a file name before. And I mean, it's, it's there, obviously, like if you pull up a file list, like on a PC, um, you can usually see a date. Like I have, it gives me date modified is what it gives me, depending where stuff is saved. um, You have a few options, like in Google Drive, you can look at date modified, date last modified by me and date last opened by me. But it doesn't always like really readily give you the date created. Like you can dig and you can find it, but who wants to right click on their file, click on properties, wait for that to load. I'm actually doing this right now. And I can see, okay, I created January 5th, 2023. Like who wants to do that? I can just put Jan 23 in the file name and it's a lot faster. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a game changer. I, I, I never put dates in my file names and I'm going to start doing that because, um, I'm an organized person, obviously. And I want my, I've really wanted my digital life to be more organized. I've started setting up files. You know, I really wanted to do that. And I had a Dropbox going back to photos. I had a Dropbox, but I had a free account and every year it dropped me. And it, oh. and it dis and it like, like l- lost all my photos and it was That's all my stock so- photos. And so I would go back and re download all my photos from my social media accounts yeah. and resort them. And it was a big deal. So I'm going to, um, do you know how much you pay for the Dropbox? I can find out. I want to say it's like not more than like a hundred, you know, let me just look at Dropbox pricing. It's not crazy. I want to say it's like maybe 120 a year. So okay. uh, there's a reason I taught Spanish and not math. But <laughs> um, Let's see. Individuals month will build yearly. So there's one for, yeah, for individuals, again, two terabytes of storage, which is a ridiculous amount of storage. Yep. And it is $9.99 a month if you pay for the whole year. So yeah, $119.88, $120 a year. So like 10 bucks a month. Um, yeah, and- I'll, put, I'll put that in the show notes because I think people will be very interested mm-hmm. in yeah, exploring I- that. I- like Dropbox. And I actually just started digging into like, I just recently learned like, oh, there's all these automations, like it could do way more. Um, It's not as friendly when it comes to like sharing things. I feel like nowadays people are very used to like sharing a Google doc or sharing stuff in Google. Um, And it's not that you can't share through Dropbox. You can. It's just a little clunkier, I would say. It's not quite as intuitive. Um, But it, it sounds like a, the sorting is very intuitive. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic for you get you just get so much space, and I think it's a really good deal. Um, I like how seamlessly it pulls onto my computer hard drive. Um, and you can if if you're like my computer's not big, I don't I can't share like don't have space for all of these family photos on my computer. You can actually um, customize what is saved on your computer hard drive and the cloud and what is just saved in the cloud. So like all those family photos I told you about, if I go onto my computer and I look at that folder, there's actually a little gray cloud, meaning that 10 plus years of photos, they're not saved on my hard drive. But what I can do is let's say I I click on 2011 and I'm like, oh, I really want to use this photo of my husband and I um, for Christmas card or something. Um, I click on it and it just quickly downloads it from the cloud. So now it'll open and I can use it for stuff like that. Um, So it's, you can save space and just sort of like download things as you need. If you're like, I don't have that much space on my hard drive, Lisa. Um, or you can just completely use it um, on the web as well, just like Google Drive. That's great. So what is your favorite digital organizing task to do? What do you just love to get into? And what do you love helping people get into? This is such a good question. Um, here's the thing about me is I, I, I don't think I'm a total nerd, but then people ask me questions and what happened, what just happened happens. And I go on about, oh, here's how you should name your files and what order they should be in. And we could even get into like tagging individual files, like behind the scenes, you can add tags that are searchable. And ah. um, But I think probably my favorite part is of working, working with people is getting to see like just their relief of when they have a system and suddenly they know exactly where things are or where to save things. Um, A lot of times people are like, well, I get all this great stuff, but then I don't know what to do with it. So I just leave it in my drive and then I can't find it, but I know I had it, but I didn't rename it. And, you know, they're just, I have so many people tell me, I, I didn't realize how much the digital clutter and disorganization, how much it was weighing on me or how much it was stressing me out or how much time and energy it was taking taking from me until like it got better. They're like, I, it's like night and day. So I think my, my favorite part of the process is being able just to kind of like see people's relief and like that big, like sigh, like this big weight has been lifted um, that's always really great. Cause I'm like, yes, like life is stressful enough. Your files like should not be adding to that. An email is supposed to make life easier, not more stressful, you know? So when we get to that point, um, that's probably my favorite part. What I really, I find a lot of satisfaction in like decluttering and deleting. Um, and I do this in my, phys- in my physical life as well. I'm a minimalist. So I really like, downsizing and getting rid of things. Um, but in the digital space, it's really satisfying because like in Google drive, it'll tell you how much storage you're using. You can do all your deleting and then you can actually see numerically how much space you've cleared up. And I find that really satisfying. Absolutely. Um, I also love just like it's 2023 as we're recording this and like 
I'm, I'm working with a client now and, you know, finding files from like 2017. And she's like, why in the heck do I have files from 2017? And being able to get rid of just these massive amounts of files from a long time ago that she's like, I don't need this anymore. And letting go of that. I find all of that really satisfying on a very deep level. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. There's so much, there's so many different types of clutter. There's emotional clutter, there's calendar clutter, there's digital clutter, mm-hmm. you know, things that people don't anticipate are really weighing on them you people people can see the clutter in their home but then when they think about it it's that calendar clutter it's that time clutter it's that you going over in your brain a million times maybe because you don't have a system and so subconsciously you're worried about that podcast interview you have tomorrow oh my god where is the zoom link and oh where are the questions they sent me and oh where's my headshot I need to send and you're subconsciously, you're worried about this. Um, I was a psych minor in college as well. And when you're worried about this, there's a whole host of things that happen in your brain, in your body, because your brain and body don't know the difference between a tiger chasing you and you stressing out about not being able to find the link or the information that you need for the podcast or where did I save the design for my kid's birthday invite? Oh no. Like, or, Oh, where's that family photo I need for this, you know, big event. Like your brain's like stress is stress. Um, and it's, I just, I read, you're going to ask me to think about books later, but I read a book um, recently called do nothing um, by Celeste Headley. And it's an amazing book when it kind of talks about how we've gotten into work and like our brains don't shut down. And so we're constantly checking email. We're constantly connected. We're constantly not present. We're constantly worried about does so-and-so have this and responding to this email. And the average response time for an email is like two minutes. And if it gets longer than that, people start to like stress out or think it's rude. And I'm like, what? Um, But yeah, you can see physical clutter, but Digital clutter is really sneaky and it really weighs on you in emotionally and energetically and time-wise and it takes you out of the like moment. Um, it weighs on you in a lot of ways that you really don't realize. It's like, it's like you didn't realize how sick you were until you got better. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, wow, I was really sick. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like that. And phenomenon. I think the pandemic really made digital clutter really worse. And it because did. the lines were blurred between home and mm-hmm. work. And, and nobody so, was prepared for it. And nobody right. taught us how to do this. And nobody was really pushing healthy boundaries or they they, they were, but not it was like, oh, take care of yourself and do all this other stuff. Da, right. da, 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 da. They, everybody kept saying, step away from your computer, but yet do this Zoom call. Yep. Do the Zoom call. Check the thing. Oh, well, I'll just do it now because then I will, I'll set myself up better for the morning. But then you just lost the 40 minutes you, you know, get with your kid before they go to bed. And, you know, I, I very clearly remember, um, I, I was teaching part-time at the end of my teaching career, but I very clearly remember my daughter being very young and I would leave in the morning before she was awake. My husband would take her to daycare And I would leave school at like 4.30 and I'd pick up my kiddo. We'd come home, I'd make dinner and I would have maybe 40 minutes with my little kid before it was like time to get her ready for bed. And I remember just thinking, wow, this is really messed up. But sometimes that's the reality you find yourself in and that that you can't change that. 
But so it's about being really present for those 40 minutes instead of having your phone in your hand and like checking that email. Oh, I'll just respond to this text quick or, oh, I'll just, oh, so-and-so commented on that file. Let me just see what they said. Um, it's really hard. And again, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of brain chemistry that goes into those little dopamine hits when your phone dings. And it's very Pavlovian where we are trained. If you've ever been in public and you hear someone else's phone go off that has the same notification as yours. Yeah. You, you I bet you pick flinch. up your phone. I bet you flinch. I bet you reach for it. And then you're always like, wait, and then your brain catches up and that sound wasn't, it was like 10 feet away. Right. Um, and again, as a teacher, I taught high school at a one-to-one school. Kids had cell phones, kids had iPads. Da-da. It's really interesting and terrifying how many of my students, ages 14 to 18, wouldn't even realize they were looking at their phone. Sometimes they were just legit gaslighting you. I wasn't. But sometimes they were not consciously aware that they had flipped over their phone and were checking it for notifications. It was a subconscious automatic habit and they really were not aware. And then when you took a phone away from them or something like there was panic, like real panic. And I'm not saying that like to be funny, like there was a clear discomfort. Um, And I am 37. I grew up before everyone had cell phones. But again, like I am fully addicted to my phone. I now have to, I leave it in my office now at night. Or you know what happens? I wake up first thing in the morning and I pick it up. Or I go to bed at 11 o'clock and I check my email before I go to bed. It's 11 p.m., Lisa. What are you going to do at 11 p.m.? Two seconds before you're calling up. Why are you doing this? Because it's a habit. Because society has trained me to. Because I like the glowing screen and I like the dopamine hit when someone's liked my Instagram post or someone's emailed me because I feel needed and that makes me feel good. There's a lot of brain chemistry that goes into all of this um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, So really kind of learning some of these digital declutter skills. And again, learning how to Yeah, organizing your digital life can really help you set boundaries. Yep. Mm -hmm. And letting go. And there's, there's some new research finally starting to emerge about digital hoarding. Because, you know, there's a lot of research around physical hoarding and physical clutter and the effects it has and the effects um, it has on our health of being around like in physically cluttered areas and stuff like that and stress levels and heart disease and cortisol and yeah, yeah, and all of this. But the thing is, again, your brain does not distinguish between a messy desk and a messy computer desktop. It's all clutter to your brain. It's all information that has to be processed. It's all feels overwhelming. Um And there's some studies finally starting to come out. Um, I read one about, um, I think it was a guy who hoarded, it was digital photos, family photos. And he was taking hundreds of digital photos a day and then uploading them and organizing them and storing them and, you know, all of this. And so, I mean, it was hundreds a day. Um, And again, that has real effects on your mental and physical well-being. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's digital. It's good for the environment. <laughs> it's not. Because all of this digital data we're storing, it has to be stored somewhere. The cloud is just a computer somewhere else. And all of that st- stuff has to be stored on servers, on computers that need energy to run. There's a really great website called thanks-hyphen 
thanks-in-advance. Um, and it shows you the environmental impact of email specifically. Um, and it's, it's a really fun website. It's a really shocking website. Um, and it's, it is eye-opening. Um, I share it a fair amount with people. Um, but everything that we're storing, emails and photos and files, it all leaves a carbon footprint. Just because we're not cutting down trees to make the paper doesn't mean that we're not leaving an environmental impact because we are. Um, so digital declutter is good for, you know, it's, it's a sustainability issue as well, just like physical minimalism and decluttering and sustainability is an issue. Wow. Well, I'd like to ask you some questions that I ask all of my guests. Uh, and I know you said some of these were a little challenging. <laughs> it's like every one of these was hard. <laughs> um, that was not the goal. I'm not, I'm not here to get you. Um, so what is your greatest accomplishment? And it can be personal or professional. Oh, see, this was one of the hard ones. Um, I, I think someone I was thinking about this was like, okay, what am I most proud of? Um, and there's a couple of things. And I think one of it is there were just a lot of little moments in teaching, like teaching is really, really hard. Send your teacher some thank you notes. Um, it's really hard, but, and I taught every level. I literally taught from kindergarten Spanish to Spanish for advanced levels. I've taught everything. Um, and that moment when you would see a kid get it or a kid had traveled abroad and they're like, oh my gosh, McCarg, I understood. I was able to talk to him. And like, they're so proud. And I, I think there's, there really are very few things better than being able to see somebody gain a new skill and be proud of themselves and knowing that you made that possible for them. I'm getting a little teary, which is weird because I'm not like an emotional person. Um, but really it was those days when my students, like it would click or like, oh, I was at the grocery store last night and I heard somebody in Spanish, they didn't know where the cereal was. And I told them it was in like aisle 12 and they said, thanks. And I was so proud of myself. It was all those little moments. I think that's kind of my favorite probably what it is. I love that. Well, thank you, teacher. I thank appreciate you. you. <laughs> Good hard worker. Um, what is your favorite book? Okay. This is the other hard one because I read a lot, like a lot, a lot. Like Friday, um, I went to the library and I picked up three novels and I was like, this will get me through the weekend. And I made it through like one and a half of them. So I think oh I read like God. four to 500 pages this weekend. Like I read a lot. Um, one of the books I just, I, I read fiction. I generally do not like nonfiction. I can get through a 400 page fiction novel in like 24 hours, 200 page nonfiction takes me months, but that book do nothing by Celeste Headley. Um, it talked, a, it talked a lot about basically our obsession with work and how work and time is money and product. And we chase this productivity. And it talked about a lot of things and it talked about it all from a really, really unique angles and perspectives that hadn't been presented before. And it talked a lot of, it, it looked a lot at gray areas. It was, you know, the black, it wasn't just black and white. It was, hey, here's the pro, here's the con, here's the in the middle. Um, and I love my local library, support your public libraries, and I'm a minimalist. So I don't buy books. I get them from the library. And this one, I actually, I read it on my Kindle and then I 
bought it because it was that good. And I'm actually like, I just finished it a few weeks ago and I'm going to just start rereading it and actually like highlighting and annotating it because it was that good. So that's my favorite um, one most recently. Fiction world. Um, I read a lot of like fantasy, fantasy romance, like romance, like your Sarah J Mass who's taking over the world. Um, but there's a really good series called the Kingmaker Chronicles, and I'm gonna see who writes it. I want to say it's Amanda. Yeah, Amanda Bochet. I don't know how you say her last name. B-O-U-C-H-E-T. Um, it's a trilogy, and it's like a what is? It? I don't even know what order they go in. <laughs> a Promise of Fire, The Fate of Fire, and Breath of Fire. It's the Kingmaker Chronicles. Oh, maybe there's four of them. I don't know. Anyways, it's really good. Um, There's really good banter. It's funny. It's good world building. It's good characters. There's a little bit of I think Greek mythology was thrown in there too. And um, full disclosure, I was really unhappy with how it ended. Like the last 50 pages were terrible, but everything leading up to that was fantastic <laughs> and I devoured it. <laughs> the so. last 50 pages were terrible. I was just like, I'm, I was just like, what? It was one of those endings. So you was, just gave just, up, Amanda. You just pretty gave much. Up. That's what it felt like. It was like you just got tired and gave up, and then this is how it resolved. I'm like, that would never happen. Were you not with me the other thousand pages? <laughs> it was one of those. I was like, what? There was supposed to be like this epic scene, and it was like womp womp. <laughs> it was just like very out of character for the character, and I was like, what? So disappointing last like 50 pages but everything leading up to it was fantastic and I will probably actually reread the series and I like to reread stuff as well when you know how the characters are going to develop and you kind of pick up on little things I'm currently rereading the entire um, A Court of Thorns and Roses series so and like now I'm picking up on all this little stuff that I missed the first time or didn't know was important and that's really fun that's great and what is your best organizing tip Oh, again, this is really hard for me because I spend my days organizing. Um, it's twofold. And one of them is just to start. A lot of people worry about getting it perfect or having the right system. And clarity comes through action. You're not going to know what works for you until you just start. Test it out. Like when I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, we, we make this system, they test it out, and then we have a check call a few weeks later to be like okay how's this going what tweaks do you need to make what did we miss um so just start and the other one is you know actually I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it this way the other one um I originally heard this um Gretchen Rubin I can't remember what book of hers it was but I think she called it maybe the two minute rule I call it the one minute rule where if it takes less than a minute just do it so that's things like, oh, instead of putting my coffee cup in the sink or on the counter, I'm going to rinse it out and put it directly in the dishwasher. That takes less than a minute. I should do it now. Um, or in the digital world, renaming a file and saving it in the correct folder right away, time yourself. It takes like 30 seconds, literally. So just do it now. And then future you will be really happy. So if it takes less than a minute, do it. Yeah, that's what I call thinking like a tidy person. 
Oh, nice. You know, that's, those are tasks that I say, how would a tidy person act? Would they leave the teacup on the coffee table at, when you go to bed or would they put it in the dishwasher? Would they throw a the socks person, on the floor or would they yeah, walk a to tidy the person would put their, their shoes away? A tidy yes. person would make the bed when they get out of it. So think like a tidy person. And usually yes. those tasks take 30 seconds. Yep. So I'm with you. Exactly. And it's, it's one of those things where like, if you throughout the day, you do all of it right away. And at the end of the day, you're not left like, oh, I gotta load the dishwasher. And like, yeah. sink full of dishes because you did it. And you're like, oh, good job, past Lisa. I yes. like you. What's on me? Yeah, right. <laughs> sometimes past Lisa's great. And sometimes past Lisa really sucks. And I'm like, dang it. <laughs> we need to have a talk with past Lisa. <laughs> I know. Sometimes she just knocks it out of the park. And sometimes not so much. <laughs> And how can people get in touch with you? Because I think after this conversation, everybody's going to be knocking down your door to rename their files and organize everything on their digital life. If you want to get super geeky with me about file names, or it's funny. So right before we um, jumped on this call, Maria, I'm working on a Canva organization workbook for people to like go through on their own to like organize Canva and create systems and things like that. Love me some Canva. Um, so yeah, right. That's I, I pretty much just wait. I listen to what people like complain to me about and then I try and make it as easy as possible. Um, so you can find me at lisamch.com. You can find me on Instagram way more than I should be. That's one of those things I'm like trying to have some boundaries around. But on Instagram, I'm Lisa J M C H. Um, I'm usually there in my stories. I'm usually there every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, I have a little show called The Pickup Line with Lisa, where I'm literally in the school pickup line <laughs> waiting for my kid. And so that's kind of my time to jump on stories and talk about what's going on and share tips and things like that. So um, lisamch.com or lisajmch on Instagram. Perfect. Well, you have been delightful. You gave so much information and I just love geeking out with you on this kind of stuff. So I hope that maybe in a couple months, you'll come back and we can talk some more. Well, thank you. I would love that, Maria. Thank you for letting me geek out about all of this stuff because we've just like, yeah, I could go on for hours about a lot of things. So I'd love to come back and chat more. Well, I'm going to rename some of my files and then report back to you. Okay. I love it. <laughs> thanks so much. And thanks for listening today. I hope you got a lot of great information from Lisa and from me. And I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. So namaste and take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more, join my free and private Facebook group. In it, I offer exclusive content and unique ways to work with me. It's like having access to your own personal professional organizer. The link is in the show notes to join today. See you on Facebook.